This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And I'm Jillian. Hey. Hey. Hey, that's my sister on Hi. the show. And he's going to call me. Oh, I'm going to call you Jill the whole time. And it's going to yes, be real confusing <clears throat> because no one else is allowed to call you that? No one. Yeah, and maybe I call you that because I call you that. Yep. Maybe I, I need to step back to Jillian. Yeah, Laura yeah. does the same thing. She does. But she hasn't earned the privilege. <laughs> no one ever can. That's the thing. No one can do anything to earn that. It is only Craig. He got to hang out with me and my friends who called me Jill. And he never was able to break the habit. So he gets a pass. And only him. Okay. I like That's that it's, I like that it's not... It's like a, not a nickname thing. It's just that you no. know I'm incapable of changing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm not, not like sure affectionate tried, or anything. Though. Yeah. That, I don't well, know if you that did. That doesn't speak well of me. What are we, we What are we reading this week? What Andrew? How does this show work? This show works this way. <laughs> Some, somebody, somebody reads a book. One somebody person reads a book in the world. Read a book. And then that person who read the book explains it to the other people on the podcast who didn't read the book. Okay. Three guesses who read it this week. Tom Bombadil. Craig. Craig. <laughs> Tom Bombadil's not even in this one, Craig. Oh my God, Tom Bombadil. Oh, we cannot talk Adolf about Tom Dairy Bombadil. Uh. We cannot talk about him. Tom Bombadil. All right, what book? So, okay, so, so Jill read the book. And what book was it? I read The Hobbit, ah. or as it's more appropriately known, The Hobbit, comma, or There and Back Again, by J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien. Nice. Tolkien. 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 <laughs> People pronounce his name all kinds of different ways. The YouTube lady tells me it's Tolkien, so we'll try to like stick to that when we can, but... Wait, what? It's Like three It's going to be all over the place. Tolkien. Tolkien. Tolkien? Tolkien. I don't even know. Tolkien. He wrote a book. <laughs> he wrote many books. He wrote, right? well, no. he wrote a bunch of books. He's he's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's disagree. No, not only about no, the man's he name. Didn't write enough books. <laughs> well, I was thinking that a lot of them were about like poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Those don't count. I mean, As opposed to do, novels. I mean, he did some of that. He did some translations. Like he translated yes. Beowulf. And actually that went unpublished for a long time. That didn't actually get published until last year, I don't think, his Beowulf translation. Oh, interesting. Right. See, um, that's a lot of it. A lot of it was actually his son publishing stuff posthumously. Yep, so yep. He Christopher really Tolkien has Tolkien. been riding that gravy train for a long time. <laughs> Sorry, Tolkien. <laughs> but he's best known for The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and... To a lesser degree, the Silmarillion. God bless is, you. Yeah. <laughs> what did he write? The Silmarillion. God bless you. 
And I still, I looked that up online. I still can't even figure out what that is. I got to tell you. It's like the encyclopedia, right? It's like the Bible, (laughs) but for Middle Earth. And it's about as much fun as reading the Bible. It's like a boring Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, right? I liked that book. Well, see, no, I, I've never read that book, but I heard it's cool. But it's and like yet, a history book, right? you just judged it right there. Right no, there. no, no. I said that the Sigmarillion was... Bless a, you. Bo- thank you. <laughs> was a boring version of that. To, work, to take it back to Tolkien, he's known for his world building and for his like language building. Like A lot of the, the races in these books have their own fully developed languages that you could probably learn if you wanted to by going into the appendices of the Lord of the Rings. Now I have not done that, but I'm not going to put anybody on blast who has. <laughs> I'm assuming we can all guess that I have not, but I've, <laughs> I just, I haven't. And I actually didn't know if reading this or any of the other books, how much that was going to come into it. Like, would there be either, well, there's runes on the first page. We'll get to that. Um, or, you know, Elvish or something like that, where they would, you'd need to translate it or what have you. I didn't know if there'd be a lot of flipping back and forth and trying to understand things. But it doesn't really seem to come up too much in the stories themselves. It's just part of the bigger world building he did as he wrote the books. And now his son has then turned them all into these big resources for all the fans. Sure. It's one of those those fantasy books, and there have been a million that have followed in its footsteps where there's just a language that's called like common or something and yeah. it's just regular english mm-hmm. <laughs> the common tongue yeah yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about tolkien for a couple of weeks right andrew the plan is that i will subject myself to all three of the lord of the rings books um, should be less enthusiastic about it. <laughs> I will ride into Gondor on three books of a trilogy <laughs> and there you go. Uh, an army of ghosts, or, and uh, then I'm going to skateboard down a mammoth. Um, I saw the movies. Don't tell me. I see. Uh, and we're going to cover all those in the, in the next month, but I had already read The Hobbit, and so we wanted to have someone on who had not. That's me. And and I've wanted to have my and sister on the show yes. for a good long time. So it seemed yeah, like... We've, we've, we've talked a few times about how we've been doing this show since only our family members were listening. <laughs> yes, <and laughs> thank you from episode one. Uh-huh. Thank exhibit, you, thank exhibit A, uh-huh. sitting in the co-host chair right now. <laughs> Patreon supporter, oh, you're welcome. And So everyone and, else should feel shamed. And, and I think... Give you money. Jill, that you like read probably three times as many books as either andrew and i do like you read all you are your default state is reading as far as i know (laughs) like i i was having a rough week last week like actually like personally and so i read five books (laughs) oh my god (laughs) because i came home from work and that's how i just want to relax now granted when i'm reading books that quickly they're not necessarily high flute and they're not infinite jest yeah. Or we'll talk about that another time. Or, you know, things like that. <laughs> I, I enjoy the big tomes and, you know, heavy literature as well. But sometimes I do just want to like flip through a mystery or a thriller or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think on my Goodreads thing, am I over 80 books so far this year? I think so. <gasps> I've read two this week after The Hobbit. So. Craig and I collectively host a book podcast on the internet, and we have not read, as a group, 80 books yet this year. It's just what I like to 
do. <laughs> I read on my lunch break because that's relaxing. I stop doing my job and read. That is relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. And Let's... I learned a long time ago to just read what I want to read, and that actually makes it much more enjoyable. So that's true. You As eat. opposed to like what you feel like you have to read because of like the because my brother asked me or... to. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ju- no, 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 <laughs> not this one. <laughs> Uh, but Jill is much more willing to, than anyone I know to just pull the ripcord on a book. Oh yeah! To just you do say not, I, this book yeah. is what do you over. Mean, just like just like leave. Oh yeah! yeah. I will abandon a book. <laughs> like leave a book on the street. I'm done with this book. I yeah. I I have Peace. given up on page like one or two. I'll just be like, nope, this is not for me. <laughs> I can be ten pages what? from the end and be like, I don't care. I'm pissed and be done. Um, I have authors that I have come to despise and i just i try i try so hard because they're like canonical or they're important or whatever or just people i know love them and i try and then i just stop trying eventually because there's so many books out there and there's so many things to read and i i feel bad when people talk about like forcing themselves through a book and unless i mean i've done it i did it for the most recent franzen book not the new one that's coming out but the other one about birds or something because everybody <laughs> it, left a, it left a big impact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed the corrections. This first book, it was much smaller, and I think that works for him. Mm. Um, but this was a brick. And I read that one because that was like the book of the moment, and everyone was talking about it. I was getting my MFA at the time, so a lot of people in my program were writing program were reading it. So I just I forced myself through that one. I think, Craig, I was even talking to you on the train one time coming yeah. back from work, just complaining about that. So sometimes I will push push myself through to either have a conversation with someone or because I think it's something I really should read. But that's super rare. Okay. And I wish well, more people were like that. Just read what you want to read. Read what you want to read. That's what we're here for. That's right. Um, let's Except talk for me, about... who was told to read this. Let's talk about... Jeez. <laughs> Jimmy Red Robin Tolkien. What does the JR stand for? Someone John, John Ronald Rule Tolkien. I, are you still riffing or is that his name? That's his name. No, I could be. If I was going to be riffing, it would have been funnier than that. We'll say smart man going with the JRR. I mean, I think that works. Yeah. Wait, what's the real thing again? John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. Nope. And I All don't right. know that I'm pronouncing his his third the third of his many names yeah right. the internet lady gonna... said reuel hebrew oh. so i don't know <laughs> we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going yeah, what do we know about this guy what do we know, about, do we know about him he was, he was born... born in, in oh. 1892 and oh i got there first born 1892 died 1973 okay Duh. craig now you go great we'll just round rob popcorn craig well he was <laughs> He was born in modern day South Africa, right? And what is then, now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was not born. In- <laughs> he got sent grammar, back in Craig. time. Grammar. Come he on. He was born in 2013 in South Africa, but then and he then fell through the like the land of the lost, and then he fell back. Middle Earth. Into Come the on 1900s. now. Keeping in this. Keeping in the right universe here. Uh, his father died, and then he moved to uh, England. Not of his own accord. He was a baby. It didn't just like he like packed up his bags or anything. Um, and his then baby bags. <laughs> well, time to leave South <laughs> Africa. It's not called that right now. Um, and then his mom passed away, mm-hmm. and he and his what, did he have a sister? Right, a brother. So he and his brother mm-hmm. uh, were orphans. 
and uh, his mother left them to like the guardianship of a priest. Is that true? Popcorn Jillian. Yes, that's true. Great. <laughs> and we'll just move Father through. Father Morgan. He goes to school. Things happen. Um, but when he's a kid, <laughs> I don't know. Like kid things happen, right? He lives. Everyone knows where he lives because they've spent all this time. Didn't he like meet his like to be wife when he was sixteen, and then Father Morgan yes. was like, "No, you can't see her until you she go to college." She was an older lady. She was mm, nineteen. Yeah. Scandalous. And so he and didn't a see Protestant her. at that. Ugh. What? <laughs> but yeah, no. Then when he was twenty-one, they didn't see each other for three years. Edith, when he was twenty-one, he wrote her, and she was already engaged to someone else, but she actually called it off to be with him, and then even converted to Catholicism. And he had like he had. I don't even know if he had actually gra- left college yet and had a job. So he had nothing going for him, but she threw it all yeah, his, away. His prospects were pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. bad. Love um, finds a way. In his, uh, he wrote a letter in 1941 to his son, Michael, and he it says here, he expressed admiration for his wife's willingness to marry a man with no job, little money, and no prospects except the likelihood of being killed in the Great War. Oh, gosh. Because then that happened. Yeah, then he was in World War One. He was at the Battle of, Battle of the Somme, right? Yes, but he got um, trench fever, which yeah, was which, the pits. Yeah, from all the lice and stuff. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, go back and listen to our uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, wow. yeah. Um, nice. If you want to learn about World War One and how terrible it is, there's plenty of lice. Yes. Pause, go listen to that, come back. Yeah. Welcome so, back. I mean, we, we've got a lot of... Um, of Tolkien time that we can spend in like subsequent episodes. Cause there, there are a lot of different facets to his life, right? Like we talked a little bit in our, uh, till we have faces episode about his like friendship with CS Lewis and mm-hmm. how deeply religious he was and how seriously he took that. But, um, Jillian, what do you think, what about his character or like his life do you think is the most like relevant to the Hobbit or like Middle Earth or like the immediate discussion that we want to have. Definitely. I think it would have to probably do with the fact that he always loved languages and loved making up languages. Um, There's a fun Tolkien Society website that you can go to and they have close to a minute by minute, you know, outline of his life. And they like list different. (laughs) It's pretty intense. Drank some tea. Invented a language. (laughs) He had a writing group that had to do with drinking tea. No joke. Um, and, uh, but so yeah, he would make up his own languages and sometimes like merge different languages together. He was into fairy tales and like mythology and Norse mythology and things like that. And so then when he went to college or university in England, that's what he studied. And that then became his teaching career. And all along, he was always writing poetry and getting some things published. He did do some translation, as Andrew had mentioned earlier with like Beowulf. I heard... I re- was reading that his um, rendition of reading Beowulf was like really intense and dramatic and like he would, you know, just really kind of get everyone to pay attention to something that most people were not into for a very long time. And even hmm. now, not too many people have read it. I wonder if there's any like leftover feeling about fantasy and fantastical writing from like the time of when Grimm's fairy tales started getting circulated and it moved from this kind of literati scholarship circles into become like as we know it today which is children's literature and it, i don't think it was that initially at least when they were published but we've kind of talked a lot about whether or not fantasy books and and things like this particularly like stuff like the hobbit is meant for adults or children and i wonder if that had anything to do with 
scholarship on Beowulf. You know what I mean? Like, is it yeah. like well, yeah. turn of the at century the time, I think, writing? Yeah. I think at the time that he was writing and C.S. Lewis as well, most people, adults at that time, thought that quote unquote fantasy writing and what it was at the time was a everything from Alice in Wonderland to, you know, The Hobbit. I mean, it was all sorts of different things. Um, and different types of world building that that was more accepted as children's literature. And it really wasn't until the success of The Hobbit, which was an immediate success and specifically written as children's literature. um, And then his subsequent, you know, Lord of the Rings novels that then it was like, oh, adults can enjoy this too. And then other people started getting in on this kind of fantasy concept in a bigger way. Mm hmm. Yeah, Jillian, I'm ex- I'm interested to hear what you think of this coming to it as the at, you know for the first time as an adult because I read this when I was probably just a shade too young to read it. Like I I graduated <laughs> yeah, I graduated yeah. like right from Narnia, which is like generally mm-hmm. a little bit shorter and simpler, right to this, and then from this to eventually the Lord of the Rings, and I I, I loved it as a kid, and I think that that shades my perception of it as an adult. But... Do you remember what you loved about it? I'm just, and I don't it mean was, that in like a confrontational way. I'm actually just curious. No, like, no, what, is what did you like I mean, about it? Andrew? Well, because I'm How reading it as an adult. You loved it. Oh, stop right. it. So no, I'm wondering the, as the a way... little child boy, what did you like? <laughs> as a little the baby boy. I'm an adult boy, woman. As but, a, but a wee bairn. <laughs> um, right, Scottish. It's, I mean, I thought, I found the way it was constructed interesting because it, it, I mean, we've we've read a few books aimed at younger audiences that are like this. Like it's telling an overarching story, but it's mm-hmm. also split. It can be split up into a bunch of smaller adventures. Yes. And so I just I I liked the the variety of little adventures that mm. he had. I liked his. I liked the hero's journey in mm-hmm. it. I think. I mean, to this day, I think it's really compelling. And I've actually written, um, pretty pretty uh critical reviews of the three hobbit movies as have many like how people they, how how <laughs> <laughs> about how like poorly i think they they just handled the bilbo character in mm. in those films but like and of course when you're like an eight or nine year old boy i don't remember, i don't even remember really how old i was when i first came to these but like dragons are cool yeah, you know, you know, I mean, dragons are like cool dinosaurs because they can breathe <laughs> fire and talk and stuff. It's pretty true. And dragons, at least these dragons, have like gold and stuff, and they're they That's can talk. They're all about. They have treasure. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty cool time to be alive <laughs> yeah, so when they're dragons. You know, he's he's confronting these big old like mountain giants and giant spiders <laughs> and dragons, and it was yeah. just it was just cool. It was really cool stuff for for young andrew so so that we can talk about whether or not it's it's cool to adult jill let's talk about the book itself and what exactly happens in in the hobbit for those of us who may not have read the book right help us out so again it's jillian i don't know if you um when you did you read anything about like the book or the writing of the book at all when you were researching um afterwards not beforehand Okay. Okay. Because I I was wondering if you came upon the the stuff about like the extensive revisions. That... Oh yes, there are forwards all over these new editions, and he was insane about the language. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Um, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit. Like the one of the neat things about this book is even in universe, like in the Lord of the Rings, it's presented as like a travelogue that Bilbo wrote himself almost. 
Yeah, it, oh, it is after as the as fact, book. not in the Hobbit. Yeah, and so when when he first published the Hobbit, like there were there were substantial differences to like the scene mm-hmm. where he's talking with Gollum about the ring and that stuff. And then he revises it in subsequent editions, I think, to to make it better set the stage for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But the way he frames it in Lord of the Rings is like Bilbo himself was kind of exaggerating events because of like the because he was in the thrall of the ring already. And um, and it was like coloring what he wanted to leave behind or like how he wanted to tell the story. And I thought. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a really neat way to to take your own edits and explain them within the context <laughs> of the of the book itself. Well, I, I actually I remembered reading about that as well. Yeah, it's it's primarily I think the Gollum chapter that he had to change to make sure it lined up with the Lord of the Rings storyline and everything. But there was also mm-hmm. notes in here about how he was constantly um, him, and then afterwards his son was picking it up, was going over and over about is it elf or you know elvish elfish dwarf you know all those Mm -hmm. his very particular cadence and style of writing that um, american publishers would change because they assumed it was wrong or just some crazy british way of doing something (laughs) and then he would be like no 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 don't even know their own language god so many use everywhere Uh. (laughs) they get the use but yeah i mean he also had a very distinct like lyricism, especially in The Hobbit, um, to his writing. And I think he was just very particular as a writer about his word choices and he didn't want them changed. And so Mm. the subsequent revisions, whenever he could wrest some control back, he took it. Just fascinating. Good on him that he got that control. And it's happening at a time where where that kind of thing is still nascent. Like it does, it's Mm -hmm. not that, the the relationship of authors to their work now is is sl- subtly different from mm-hmm. when he was writing, um, yeah. just in terms of copyright law and and the publication machine and everything. Which, by the way, was 1937 for everyone. That's when it was published. Oh, okay. And yes. then it was revised in 1951 to make the Gollum-related changes that Andrew was talking about. Um, because yeah, it took him another 15 years to get the Lord of the Rings books together for publication after. The Hobbit. Cool. So you yeah. spend some time. Which is just a crazy amount of time when you think about it. Like, yeah. it, Well, he had basically written that God Bless You book first. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Yeah, I mean, he was he, Silmarillion. He, yes. was, he was working on it his, God bless pretty you. much his yes. entire life, but he never, he never properly finished it. And no. it was only published by his son, Christopher, after right. he died. But, but that was um, his sequel I, that he gave to the publisher. And I was reading that actually they think... The publisher probably didn't get that far into it and said, no, 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 that's not what we were thinking. Write something else. And then he went, fine. And then he started writing Lord of the Rings. The publishers were like, yeah, I mean, this is cool or whatever, but what about, like, can you write more about Hobbits? Yeah. (laughs) The kids love the the Hobbits. Hobbits. Write write more of the Hobbits. We need more of those little guys. Where are my halflings at? My kids love Hobbits. Put more Hobbits in there for my boy. My boy, he needs Hobbits. I'm not sure what that accent is. <laughs> what, you, what character are you doing? He's just like an 80s movie executive. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. We'll go with he that. He's like wearing a Hawaiian he's... shirt with a gold chain and he's chomping on it. Put more hobbits in there from a boy. He's just out I love of those... his mind on cocaine. <laughs> got, any those... <laughs> got any of those talking trees? I hear those trees talk. Put the talking trees in there. I haven't gotten to the trees. <laughs> Don't ruin All it. Right. Let's, no... let's, let's get to the... Put them in there. <laughs> 
But boy, there's you trees. have to be super high to love Tom Holiday. <laughs> that's another. Oh. That's another conversation. Oh, good. You don't like him either. No, nobody likes Tom. Oh, Bobby. good. I'm, is he like I, Jar Jar? I invite. <laughs> is he like Jar Jar? I want people to email me and disagree with me. Like, come at me, Tom. I haven't Bobby even talked about the characters in this book. I was so worried that you were gonna like Tom Bombadil, and I was like, I hate him. I hate him I so got bad. Tom Bombadil tattoo, like. Okay, good. Who is the Hobbit and what does he do? Oh, well, so he goes there and he comes back again. Wait, what? The end. Oh, that was short. All right, everybody. <laughs> if you want to find out more about our podcast, you can go to overduepodcast.com. It's right in the title. He went there <laughs> and then he came back again. All right. There you go. Who is the Hobbit? Where did he go? And what did he do after, before he came back again? <laughs> okay. So Bilbo Baggins. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, <laughs> it's a good name it is for a children's it's character like as you start going through the different names and stuff like that it'll become very clear where jk rowling and subsequent authors got their ideas it's talking basically do you think um, he owes a little bit to dickens well i think that was kind of happening in general in england at the time Sure. For lots of different genres, so maybe, but then Dickens certainly wasn't the first to do that either. So, right. sure. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so this might be, this is going to be a quote here. So hobbits are a little people about half our height and smaller than the bearded dwarves. So once you know how <laughs> tall a dwarf is, you can figure out the height of a hobbit. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I always figured like a person, if a person is six feet tall, then a hobbit is three feet tall and a dwarf is like four feet tall. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, about how that. tall That's are elves? That's how I broke it down. Like human sized, um, aren't they? Yeah, human-ish. But I, I would say uh, uh, thinner, maybe? Like leaner? They seem that way, but that could be Orlando Bloom. Not sure. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I think I just feel like the elves, like they live forever, so they always got to have that beach bod ready. Well, it's- They've got plenty of time to tan. Yeah. So More pale. so than us humans do. Aren't they pale? Mm-hmm. They live in the forest. They're just under shade all well, the time. Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of different kinds of elves, so let's not discriminate here. <laughs> you don't... There's a, like a whole part... There's a whole part of the God Bless You book about beach elves <laughs> that live down the shore. Probably like five appendices of that or something. <laughs> The ones that like umbrellas, the ones I that promise like we're going to talk about this book sometime. Right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we really got to. Um, let's Craig, see. We Baron have Klein. to just shut up for a minute. <laughs> so these are the fun facts about hobbits. They're inclined to be fat in the stomach. They dress in bright colors. Colors with a U, by the way. Chiefly green and yellow. They wear no <laughs> shoes because their feet grow natural leathery soles and have thick, warm brown hair. Like the stuff on their heads. So we're just going to leave it at that. So they're little people. They're hairy. They're fat. They're adorable. (laughs) (laughs) And they're called things like Bilbo Baggins. So Bilbo's sitting outside smoking a pipe, as you do, and Gandalf shows up. He's man-sized. He's a wizard. (laughs) Is he a man? (laughs) I'm not sure if wizards are humans. Wizards are not humans. I could tell you more, but we got to get on with it. Fair play. Thank you. That is never addressed in The Hobbit is all I am saying, which is why I have no idea if he is a man with wizard powers. What is going on? 
or if he's on his own race. So we'll just move on. So Gandalf, a wizard of man size and shape, appears. And they say good morning and have a ridiculous exchange. So basically, <laughs> despite the fact that Bilbo Baggins is clearly a man hobbit, he's kind of the childlike figure in this book. It's Gandalf that actually sets him off on the adventure unbeknownst to Bilbo. He Bilbo doesn't really like this crazy wizard talking about adventures. Hobbits aren't known for leaving town that often. And um, and only some of them of the the Took uh, the tooks, persuasion. The Tooks. Yep. Tooks, the tooks. tooks. They enjoy the meandering. Um, he is half Took, I think his mother was. So I think that's part of yep. where his impulse Belladonna comes. Took. Stop Look it. at you. Look at this. Keep it just rolling. Like Harry Potter. So, you know, he invites him to tea the next day because he just wants Gandalf to leave. Well, Gandalf puts a little sign on his door, and the next day, 13 dwarves show up. There's Dwalin, Balin, Keely, and Feely, Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, Gloin, Beefer, Bofer, Bomber, and then the leader, Thorin Oakenshield. Bam. Yes. That is the best list of people in the history of time. And they come in and totally take over his little hobbit house, which is apparently awesome. That is described many ways. It's awesome. It's the best hobbit house. And they're eating all his food and drinking all his drink. And he's trying to be a really good host because hobbits are good hosts, but he is stressed out. And then Gandalf shows up. And then Thorne starts talking about who he actually is, which is that he is, you know, in the lineage of this kingdom, I suppose. I don't know if it's actually called a kingdom. Andrew, I'm looking at you in the little picture. I don't know if it's a kingdom. <laughs> he, he is part of a, a, a royal line of dwarves Thank you, that that's go the back. Word, royal. Yeah. We will go with that. And so the dragon, Smog? Smaug? Smog or Smaug? I always said, I said Benedict? Smog up until the movie, smog. so I'm going to accept what did your they say pronunciation in the movie? here. Smaug? Smaug. <laughs> Look at all that Smaug in the sky. It's, it's so hazy out. So the dragon Smaug lived in Lonely Mountain. I don't know why you would put your town near Lonely Mountain. That sounds terrible, but that's where they lived. And there the were cool were... mines under it. Well, yeah, and they liked to make things, right? So they needed the mines. Mm-hmm. So yep. Smaug comes and attacks the city, destroys it, takes all their treasure. Because, Craig, he loves gold and treasure. He sits on it. He rolls around in it. He's all over the treasure. Delicious. He does. And he kills everyone and drives everyone else away. And Thorne wants to reclaim his city, bring all the dwarves back, kill the dragon. So he needs a group of people to go with him. So he's got his buddies with him. But 13's an unlucky number. So Gandalf saying he'll help them says, I'm getting you the lucky number 14. Here's a hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) I got you this hobbit. Did they just run out of dwarves? Like... Were there no dwarves left in all of Lonely Mountain? Well, no, not in Lonely Mountain. Where where the hobbits live. I don't know, Baggins End or something? The Shire. Shire. Baggins, but over there. Now, Bilbo lives at Bag End, which is the name of his little house. I don't know how I remembered that incorrectly. I'm so sorry. And Bag End is in the Shire. Great. So Craig, we're Which still is in, in the, the northwest of Middle Oh my Earth. god. Oh yes. Do we need to talk about maps? Nerd check. Nerd check. This is why I want to do these books, is because I know everything. Like this <laughs> can, is my turf. But can we talk about how when you start off your book with the map and you're like, ooh, everything's so different and there's runes and it's awesome and the maps are so different because 
all the directions are turned counterclockwise 90 degrees. That's not cool. That's not that different. That's just turn cool. the piece of paper and the map is just like it is in the real world. It's not that different. It's pretty cool. It's like how they cut all the pieces of all the corners off the pieces of paper in Battlestar to make yes! it like future oh paper. Yes, I always check out that was our the most future ridiculous paper. thing. You're just wasting paper. Why wouldn't you keep it a square? Where did they do with all those little triangles? I always hated that about Battlestar. And you know I loved <laughs> Bilbo's going with these dwarves on a trip. They Lucky are. number 14. Lucky number 14. And his kind of title is the burglar, which he's, at first, <laughs> yeah, he's a little insulted at first about that, which I find very amusing. He's like, I, excuse me, I am not a burglar. And they're like, well, there was a sign on your door that said you're a burglar and we need a burglar. And Gandalf's like, yep, that was me. I played a fun trick. You're a burglar. Um, but whatever, take this hobbit with you. So these dwarves have expectations of Bilbo that he's like, I don't, I don't know how to burgle. I don't know how I'm going to steal anything. What is happening here? Um, but Gandalf's going to go with them for a bit. So they just begin their journey. And I will say this, the, the tone of the book at this point is great because there's not a whole lot of like elongated exposition about walking through trees or whatever. It's like you just move from one place to the next and you get to the important scenes. And I like that. So I appreciated that. So the yeah. first thing are the trolls, right? So as Andrew was saying, there's all these different obstacles that come up in each chapter. And the first one is trolls and Bilbo is sent out because they need more supplies. So go steal from three huge trolls, which of course he fails miserably at. They, the dwarves try and save him. They all get tossed into bags. Gandalf distracts them until the sun comes up because apparently fun fact about, about uh, trolls, they turn to stone in the sun. So daylight comes, stone trolls, they can leave and they find the troll's house in like a hill or something and they take all their stuff. They take some food, they take some swords, they take like three swords that become important, a, a small one that... um Bilbo takes, and then Gandalf takes like an awesome broadsword-like thing, and so does Thorin. Wizards uh, don't use swords. Oh, Gandalf, does. Gandalf not play D and D. Like wizards oh, are no. not proficient in swords. Oh, this Gandalf does not play his class. I'll just <laughs> <laughs> say this right now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Interesting. I actually kind of know what that means. <laughs> Quick question, Andrew. Can I ask you this? Yo, uh, geek check. Um, do trolls turn back when the sun goes down, or are they stuck? No. As oh. Right. All right, so those trolls got killed. Done. Yeah, no, they're dead. They're dead. Dead trolls now. Dead trolls. Dunzo. Okay. So then moving on. Leaving... You would, I mean, you would think that if you were a troll, you would like know what time it is and you would go <laughs> at all times. And Gandalf is so good at distracting them. Okay, but let's also talk about how stupid the trick was, right? So there's three trolls talking, and he just keeps kind of imitating different voices of them so that they're not sure who they're talking to of each oh, other. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, there's a sun, frozen. It's fair. okay. So they're not <laughs> the smartest Good goof, Gandalf. group in Middle Earth. So on to the elves. Um, they go to, is it Riverdale? Rivendell? Rivendell. 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 The last homely house. Yes, the last <laughs> homely house with uh, tall, skinny elves. Elrond makes an appearance. He looks at the map that Gandalf had gotten from Thorin's dad. Great. 
um, about how there's a secret entrance to get into the mountain. And that's what they're all banking on their burglar, right? So this is stressing Bilbo out. This He's supposed to find the way into this mountain. And he's got this map with some runes that he can't read. And he's like, what's up with this? And Elrond... El, Elrond? 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 Elrond Hubbard, yes, Elrond. of Riverdale. Right. Okay, so actually yeah. that might make sense. Um, so Elrond, he looks at the map. He's like... <laughs> Ooh, there's extra runes here. And they're all like, what? So apparently if it's like those fancy um, magic eye things or something, that if you look at it under the right phase of the moon, <laughs> other runes show up. It's there's a spaceship in the back. It's yeah. invisible ink. Yeah. yeah. It's invisible ink. And then they're like, well, does it say anything else? And he goes, I don't know. You would need a different phase of the moon. Here you go. And he just like gives him back the map and that's it. <laughs> It kind of comes up again. I actually thought this moon thing would, like moon reading with the runes would play in a bigger way than it did. Um, it helps a little bit later on in the book, but it just kind of felt like, ooh, they're learning new information. Like this is really going to be a thing, but whatever. Yeah, like as I recall, it just ends up being another riddle that they have to figure yeah. out when they get to their destination. So Basically. kind of helpful, but kind if you're going to write something in invisible ink, like why wouldn't you be clearer yeah. about and it? And also the fact though that he's clearly saying at other phases of the moon, there's the potential that you would see other runes. So, hey, more info, like how to kill the dragon or something. I don't know, but like they never look at it. Uh, that's fine. They move on. So we're going to move on. So now they're going up the Misty Mountains. I, I say it like I'm mocking it, but I actually really enjoy this book. Okay. So they're cold, <laughs> they're hungering. They find a cave. Someone, Balin, Dalen, I don't remember which one. Feely Keely was supposed to check out the cave. He didn't do a very good job. Oops, goblins are there. Whoops, goblins. goblins. They apparently can split the earth so that like, you know, like chasms appear. I did not... I don't know. There's how. like a secret door in the back of that is cave. That is that what that is? Okay. So it's not like they're actually it. like parting the earth. Okay. That's good. I didn't think they were like magical. So they take mm -hmm. Bilbo and the dwarves because Gandalf's like out. He disappears. And they notice the great goblin, who I guess is a king because he sits on a big chair and has capital G great in front of his name. <laughs> he sees Thorin's sword and freaks out. It's called to them Orchrist. The goblin yeah. cleaver, and the mm -hmm. goblins call it the biter, and they hate it, and they're scared of it, and it makes them super angry at them. But then, awesome, Gandalf appears, the lights go out, all this chaos happens. It's like he's, a wrestling match. Like, yeah, it's like the Undertaker showing up. Gandalf throws sword. a chair at the great goblin. <laughs> Not a chair. He uses the sword, Glamdrig, the forehammer. The goblins call it the beater, and he slices the great goblin in half, and everyone runs away scared. It's the faux hammer. I don't want to put you on blast, but... The faux hammer? Yeah. I guess. It's also <laughs> called Glamdrig. So, fine. Glamdrig, the folding chair, comes in and kills Goblin King in the ring. That would yeah. make sense, too. Yeah. That's fine. But then they call it the beater. Like, why does everything need five names? Just give it a name. So that's cool. It's fantasy. <laughs> that's Can't just how it goes. Fantastically have just one name. Um, so then they're all running through the tunnels because they need to get out of this mountain because there's more goblins that want to get them. And then Bilbo gets separated and then, yay, he meets Gollum, mmm. who apparently his name comes from the sound that he makes in the back of his throat. And that was really gross. Gollum. Yeah. Gollum. Yeah. 
Gaul. I did a lot of like mental gymnastics trying to imagine like what that sound would sound like. Sounds Gaul. like this. Gaul. When Gaul. I made it, and I, I think that Andy Serkis did a pretty good job with it in the in the movie. You can you can actually hear a recording of Tolkien reading this section of The Hobbit. You can find Ew, it gross. online. And he it's, he has his own really kind of like interesting way of doing Gollum's voice and stuff like that. It's really fascinating. I'm not going to attempt to do it because it's also a you know a British accent on top of <laughs> however else he's doing. <laughs> Gollum, Gollum, cheerio, Gollum. Gollum is this. It's okay. So that's the first thing, right? So as an adult, I know about the Hobbit in general. I, the mm-hmm. movies happen, so let's be honest. But I haven't seen them. But I just knew of it growing up. I knew about the Gollum growing up. I just you know, knew about the ring and these general concepts. I actually didn't expect it to happen so early in the book. I guess I didn't know about the dragon. So maybe I thought like Gollum was the bigger... Was the bad guy. Or something. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Because I think I just assumed the ring was the, the bigger part of the story or the, the point the reason well, for that, yeah, which and, happens and later. We do have to keep in, yeah, we do have to keep in mind at this point that this part of the story has been heavily revised. And while it's mm-hmm. the only version of it that's existed for, you know, as far as we know about, like, I don't know where you can find the first edition version of The Hobbit anymore. I think um, there's a, it may have, it may have been, it may have been, it may have been weighted like differently in the original yeah. book. So I don't know. But I mean, it was still early enough in chapter five because the ring is what he needs later on in the story to grow as a character and, and figure things right. out and stuff. And I just, I didn't expect that is just what I was thinking mm-hmm. from the cultural knowledge I had of it. I actually thought it was um, more going to be more of the climactic aspect of the book, as opposed to actually helping him on his journey. <clears throat> sure. So Gollum's creepy. He's this creepy little dude, um, skinny, hairless, big pale eyes. He lives on a little Island. He likes to eat goblins He'll come up behind and them and like fish. bash them and eat yeah. them. It's pretty gross. Did you say, Andrew, he also <laughs> eats fish? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes, he does like fish, but he will eat a goblin. And he'll eat the goblins when they try and take his fish. So there's a lot of that. <laughs> he has a little boat <laughs> that he rows around in. I bet that's cute. Um, <laughs> and apparently he was well fed when Bilbo stumbled into his lair because he was more curious than hungry when he saw the hobbit. He's like, that's you, usually how thing? I am when I'm not hungry. Exactly. Yeah, and you meet strangers and you're like, eh, I guess we can talk instead of me eating you. Yeah, it's usually eating people when I'm pretty hungry. That's how exactly. it works. And again, again, the kind of cultural things as an adult, I thought the my precious was what he talked about the ring, but that's what he calls himself is my precious, and the ring is his birthday gift. It's like he, it's very, it's much more fluid with what he's using those kind of names for. Whereas I yeah, thought the it ring really, was his precious. Yeah, I mean the it it goes it goes back and forth, yeah. right? Like he's he's he refers to himself in the plural, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of implied that often he's talking to like himself and the ring because he right. and the ring have been down there together for a long time yes. and he I think he has a sense of the ring as like being this its own thing, but he doesn't really understand it. Right. There's like one kind of sentence toward the end of like the scene where he's talking about how he keeps the ring separate. Like, cause you know, it says like for a while he used to wear it all the time and then maybe he kept it in his pocket and then he would keep it near him. And like, and he kind of just over time moves it further and further away because it starts to just wear on him, but he still loves mm-hmm. it and wants to have it and needs to know where it is at all times. Um, and apparently in this world, riddles are a huge thing mm-hmm. and there's an honor code to riddles. Didn't know that. 
So... (laughs) (laughs) You must not know much about riddles. (laughs) Fun fact. There's an honor code. Um, So what happens is that when Bilbo's running around, he falls over, he kind of is getting up he feels this thing on the ground it's the ring he picks it up without necessarily knowing what it is right so he doesn't even seek it he doesn't see it it's steal it he just oops kind of gets it right i know in other books there's talking about what it was meant to be but here it's just something that happens in the story um Mm -hmm. and at this point Gollum is now just intrigued by him and what's happening and they're asking and bilbo just wants to leave he wants to get out find his you know group and keep going to the dragon Um, And in order to lead him out, they need to go through all these different riddles, which were kind of ridiculous. That's fine. (laughs) Can we talk about that? We can talk about the riddles. I I really like the riddles. And I I want to talk about a specific thing, but Jillian, what what were were your favorite riddles of all the riddles? And by favorite, you mean not? Gollum riddles. What, what What were the most prominent riddles for you prominent okay no legs lay on one leg two legs sat near on three legs four legs got some bam go craig yeah craig i know this one already so no legs wait what's the question is there a question what is this oh what am i talking about say it again no legs lay on one leg Two legs sat near on three legs. Four legs got some. A baby. <laughs> nope. What? <laughs> it's a bunch. It's a bunch of things. It's a succession of things. Baby, man, old. So person. think. Okay. All right. Think. Think of a thing. Think right? Of a thing isn't that it? Doesn't... Isn't it? Man. Man gets up in the morning. Then he's <laughs> okay. Old, man then is. He dies, man is. Got a no. Cane. Wrong riddle. No. Man. Wrong. Man is one of the things. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Man is two legs. <laughs> What's three legs? A chair? What? Okay. Yes. Yep. That's a bad chair. It'll fall right over. Four yeah, legs sure. is a bed? No. Four legs. Four legs got, got some. some. What? Is it a dog? Close. Close. A cat. Yeah. All right. And what do cats eat that have no legs? Fish. There you go. I saw that. You there's would no be question. Dead. Gollum would eat you. Oh, he's so going to eat me. <laughs> All right, Craig, I, I got a riddle for you. Okay. Alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. It's a it's a fish I again. I the postal stuff. Yeah, there you go. It's a fish. It's always which fish. You, fish is always the you, answer. It's not always fish. Which one oh, are you going to go with? Oh, here's a delightful one. We and are no- spending the bulk of this podcast <laughs> on riddles. No, I love yes, it. Keep are. going. And Riddles I- in the dark. <laughs> that could be its own like podcast right there. All right, <laughs> right in the mic, Joe. Right in the mic. Here we go. Here we go. An eye in a blue face saw an eye in a green face. That eye is like to this eye, said the first eye, but in low place, not in high place. Oh. Is it like the sun and the moon? Okay, you got half right. Green face, half green right. face, an eye and a green face. A potato? No. I'll take it. Well, <laughs> it's actually a flower, but sure, a potato. Like a sunflower and a sun. A sun on the yeah, daisies. and they're like chilling with each other. So, the okay. So my favorite thing is that this 
ends, like Bilbo is trying to think of a riddle because they've been riddling right. and Gollum is getting kind of impatient. Yes. And the deal they've struck is like, if Bilbo can answer the riddles correctly, Gollum's going to show him the way out. Correct. And so Bilbo just idly asks, what have I got in my pocket? Well, not pockets? even idly, like panicked. Like he doesn't have yeah. any more riddles. And he goes, uh, what's in my pocket? Because he's kind of feeling, he's feeling over the ring in his pocket. And he's like, what is this? What is this ring? And Gollum's like, oh, oh, that's a good one. Lint, you know, like coins. Like he starts guessing these different things. He the, yeah. He makes Bilbo give him three guesses. And Gollum fails, obviously. And so then he's like, oh. I got to lead you out of here. But cool. Wait, let me go just get one thing. And he gets on his little boat and he goes to his little island and guess what's not there? His birthday gift, his fancy ring. And then he goes, what's in your pocket? And then Bilbo runs. Yeah. And what he finds by accident again. So this is some of the the fun little help you out parts in a fantasy story. Is (laughs) by accident. There's a lot of slipping the ring. Oops. On the finger. And he realized that Gollum ran right by him without noticing him. And so he figures out that he becomes invisible when he puts on the ring. Cool. So he follows Gollum, who has assumed he knows the way out. And so he basically leads him to the way out. Oh, short story. He gets out. There you go. And Gollum's very sad, left in the mountain without his ring. Bam. So I want to make sure we have time to talk about how much you liked the book at, like at the, book. the end, Joel. So can we skip ahead to the part where there's a dragon? The one of the adventures that matters. The spider. Right. Jillian, I'll, I'll leave this I'll leave this to you because it's it's the most important to like Bilbo's growth as a character as a real turning point. It's when him, he becomes so. a freaking ninja. Just saying. Okay. Prepare yourself. <laughs> okay. So they go to Mirkwood. Mirkwood Forest? Yep. Great. Got it. Look at me getting things. Because it's, it's murky. That's not and how it's, it's spelled. It's a woods. It's M-I-R-K, not M-U-R-K. Yeah, but don't think about it too much. <laughs> He just killed it for me. I thought I had it. I wasn't fine. Okay, great. It's murky wood. <laughs> murky wood. So they go through murky wood and Gandalf and Bjorn, the bear changer man, say like five times this Sunday, do not leave the path. Do not leave the path. Do not leave the path. What do they do? They leave the path. So he's there. Gandalf leaves. And so now Bilbo's kind of on his own. They run out of food because time passes and they see these lights out in the forest. They leave the path. Because even though they said, don't leave the path. And every time they go into a clearing where the fire is, there's these elves and they're having a party and they're dancing and singing and there's food and it smells awesome. And the second they all walk into the clearing, everything goes to black and the elves ghost out and they're gone. And then everyone's like, oh, where'd they go? What happened? And then they see more fire. And so they follow them. They get separated and Bilbo falls asleep wakes up a spider is wrapping silk around his legs so he uses his little sword and he's able to get free and he kills the spider so that's a big deal right there right he's defended himself then he finds where the other spiders are and they've trussed up all the dwarves and so he uses the ring to stay invisible and lures the spiders away fights off a couple of them he goes back for his buddies and he's able to free them and then this huge like fighting happens and he becomes a freaking ninja He's like all over the place with his sword and killing all these spiders and it's fantastic. And they get away and everyone's so excited and they're so excited that he helped him. So it's finally like they're, he's now part, he's the burglar, right? He's now part of the group and he's decided to name his sword Sting. I got that. Okay, real quick though. So fine. I accept your Sting and raise you a lazy lob and an adder cop. 
Yeah, I don't know what that's okay. about. So Craig, he sings these songs that are supposedly insulting the spiders, and he calls them lazy lobs and adder cops, and that just pisses them off. I don't get it. Spiders hate that. <laughs> they hate that. <laughs> One weird <laughs> trick to really make an angry spider. This hobbit called a spider an adder cop, and you won't believe what happened oh next. God. So then... For a half second, they're all excited, thinking everything's okay. Then they realize Thorn got taken. Their leader got taken, right? And as they're looking for him, they get taken, all the other dwarves. Except for Bilbo, who puts on the ring again to be invisible. And it's the elves, the wood elves that have taken them. And Bilbo is now able to use his new power with this ring to follow the elves and see where they put the dwarves in like their prison little thing in their house. And um, they're all in these different cells and stuff and separated. And he's stealing food and everything. And he comes up with a plan to get them out. And he successfully does it. And they're all so impressed with him. And he's so fantastic. And, is you know, he's really kind of growing and maturing and able to actually help them in their quest to get back to the Lonely Mountain. Um, they, oh, here we go. The forest river leads to Long Lake where the men live. There you go. Summed that up. Um, so now we meet men who apparently are cool. not wizards because that's a different race. So yeah. these men, they live in a town that they built on stilts on a lake. Cool. Great. Yep. That's what Guess you do. Guess what it's called. <laughs> it's called Lake Town. <laughs> it is. <laughs> How are Come his on. character names so good and his place names so And the guy dumb. in charge is just <laughs> called Master. Like capital M Master. Not even like Master the Bob. Master of... Or Master I'm the John. master of Lake Just town. master. <laughs> Hello. I built this town on a lake. You know what I called it? Welcome lake town. To lake town. Welcome to and my I'm lake the master. town. It's ridiculous. But when the dwarves come and Thorin's all like, I'm Thorin, I'm coming home and I'm going to kill the dragon. So apparently there have been all these songs about how there used to be people that lived in the mountain, that there is this dragon. And most of them don't really believe it, but now they're like, oh, but he's back and this might be real. And so they're not really sure what's real or not, but they want them out of the town. So they give them supplies, send them up the lake or the river and help, you know, help them on their way. There's a lot of ponies, I guess, because there's There smaller. are a lot of ponies because they're so short. You got to ride short. ponies, okay, ride so that pony. Everyone's riding <laughs> Get to the, get to the part know. with the dragon. We're, okay. we're going to run out of time. So they get to the we mountain. As much time as we need. We can stretch this out to three podcasts. Oh my Peter, Peter Jackson can do it. We can do it. Exactly. I was just thinking that. This one is called There, next and the time. next podcast is called Back Again. Right. The next and, one is called And. and, and then the, yeah, and then the third one is Back, back again. again. So they get to the mountain. They're able to find, because of the map, the little hideaway area. But, of course, now they can't open the door or even find the door. They're banging on the door. They're trying to use their mining tools. They can't get in. Um, the prophecy that the elf, well, not the prophecy, but the, the moon runes. The moon story. He, yeah. Moon runes. The moon runes that Elrond, the elf, oh, God, that he um, <laughs> <laughs> that he read. So... Bilbo's sitting there and he he remembers them and it has to do with like different sounds and animals and stuff like that. And when these different things line up, he's like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. And oh, look, they had a key, but that's cool. So you use the key and you open the door and now they're inside. And so they send Bilbo, because he's the burglar, down this super scary shaft in the dark. I don't even think they give him a candle. Like he's just walking down in the dark. I would never do that. That's just like 
danger. Do hobbits have low Stranger light vision, danger. Andrew? No. Yeah, they're better at they're they? they're better. They're not as good as elves, but they're right. better at seeing things in low light, and they're better at being quiet than dwarves. That's right, because they're big like, hairy feet. I guess. Right. Not not as good as elves at either thing. Okay, elves are better. Better, we better get than it. dwarves. They're skinnier. Or men. They're yeah. better. They're quieter. Elves are elves, the best. Yeah. Elves yeah. are the best. Are they yeah. better than wizards? Well, let, let's just keep going. <laughs> I don't want to get into the whole wizard thing because it requires a explaining a lot thing. more of the mythology. Oh, yeah. we need to get into the wizard thing at some point. Okay. So he goes down and he's able to see, because I guess the dragon just kind of lights up. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where the light source comes from, but he sees smog, smog. Lying on top of all of this treasure. It's, he's basically just like rolling in a bed of $100 bills kind of a thing. He's just all over the place, loving this treasure. And Bill was like, great, this is it. I found it. So he takes a cup and a gold cup and he runs back to the dwarves. He's like, look, I found a cup. He's down there. We know we're in the right place. And everyone's like, great, this is so exciting. And Bilbo goes down with his ring on. Smaug is pretending to sleep and can smell the hobbit. That's creepy. They talk, and there's kind of more riddles things happening. Um, great. Not like the game with Gollum, but just in how dragons like to speak. <clears throat> They're talking in riddles. Um, dragons are super prone to flattery. So cool. Bilbo tells him how awesome he is and how much awesome stuff he has. And Smog's like, yeah, look at my awesome stuff. And he rolls over at one point, and he apparently has like bedazzled his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the word. I'm sure there's a more... Like Did he spell out like cutie pie warrior. on his stomach with like yeah. jewels? Yeah. Ex- Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's gotten all these like jewels and gold stuff like stuck to him to give him extra protection. Smart. Except this one little place. I guess his short little arms couldn't reach there. They don't really explain it. That's left exposed. Bill was like, ooh, interesting. By the Never by. Never read the Iliad, did he? It hmm. does pay off, but not for Bilbo. So it's kind of weird that Bilbo saw it. Well, that's fine. All right. So they have their little like riddle game thing. Bilbo's able to get away basically because the dragon just can't fit in that hole. And now the dragon's pissed. And so he takes off. He's actually going back to, what was it? Lake Town? Yeah. yeah I mean, Town. it's a really hard name to remember. I know. <laughs> just but... checking. I got faux wrong before. So I, I'm just checking. It's Lake hyphen town. The way you remember it is it's because it's a town on a lake. I know. <laughs> But that could be, if it was like a very British name, it would be called Town on a Lake. So, you know, as opposed to Lake Town. Town, town upon Lake. Town That's, upon Lake, yeah. right? See? That was changed in the going. 52 gotta, edition. Yeah. Be careful here. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the dragon now, he is like, oh, oh, he sees the ponies and he knows that the only way they could have gotten there if those freaking humans hadn't helped them. So he goes down to where the master in the Lake Town is and this Captain Bard, right? B-A-R-D. He doesn't yep. sing songs and stuff, um, but he's a hero. And he is able to spot the... So while he's, you know, the dragon's burning the town down because it's wood built on water, so it's going to burn. <laughs> and um, he, uh, and everyone's jumping into the water and everything. Um, he spies perfectly that little area on his stomach and he talks to his dark arrow, you know, don't lead me astray here. And he shoots it and he kills him. Fantastic. So I'm not I sure. Wanna, I want to just interject real quick, just a little thing, mm-hmm. where um, the link between Bilbo seeing the bear patch and Bard seeing the bear patch is that there are like these thrushes that chill by right. the Lonely Mountain. Yes. 
And so Bilbo's talking about it and a thrush hears and then the thrush like flies down and kind of somehow talks to Bart. Because he comes from clear. people who can talk to thrushes. They make yeah, that explicitly it's just they, clear. They're like, they're in with the thrushes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the dwarves can talk And that's how he learns the, that's how he learns the thing. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but if you're like nine years old, you don't care. I guess, much. but I guess I had, I had expected that because Bilbo saw it that I, I thought it was going to be him or at least him yeah. saying that knowledge that would then turn into that's how they're able to defeat the dragon. The fact that it was I mean, like men separately from their group was kind of like, oh, all right. That's the interesting okay. thing about Bilbo in this book is that like he's the protagonist mm-hmm. and he like if not for him, then a lot of this stuff wouldn't happen. But if you were like writing a history book, Bilbo just does not No. Bilbo doesn't factor in like he's he's a supporting player and he's a vital player and it's it's he's the best character to base this book around but Mm -hmm. yeah like it's it's all gonna be about like Thorin and Bard and all like the big and and the big players rather than like this little guy who went and stole a cup and did all this like little stuff it kind of sounds like if you yeah it sounds like if you were writing a fantasy novel in reaction to other fantasy novels you're like in this one it's not about the hero (laughs) yeah it's like yeah, it's like you're writing it about the side character. Oh, mm-hmm. we're telling this movie, this comic book's about the Joker. Like, it's not about right. Batman. It's- well, and then it's 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 interesting because Bilbo, like, the ring is the ring is the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the bigger story, the ring is the thing. This is a but you don't really know story- that in this book. No, you don't know it in this Mm-mm. book, and it like the, the the links between this book and the Lord of the Rings like become clearer the more you know about about everything right. like the reason Gandalf was involved in everything in the first place like the the whole mm-hmm. ring thing but in this book yeah like like you said the ring is a side quest bilbo is not like directly moving a lot of events like i just i, I yeah. think the structure of the book is really interesting in that way mm-hmm. oh and then there's a big war because everyone wants the, the gold five armies sidebar yeah. there's a war because everybody hears the dragon's dead and then they're like, oh, hey, Sweet. There's that a lot means of there's a big pile of gold that doesn't have a dragon on it anymore. And Thorn like <laughs> builds a wall and is like, you're not getting in. And they're all like, we're getting in. Um, but then ultimately what happens? So the elves and the humans, they want the treasure. But then they kind of put that aside when the goblins and the wargs show up. Those are wolves, by the by, Craig. Mm, yeah, the smart, smart wolves, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah, wargs. they have Wi-Fi and stuff. <laughs> They can tweet when they're near treasure. It's smart automatic. Wolves. You can tell them where to go from your phone. They're smart wolves. <laughs> yeah. It's called the Battle of the Five Armies, which I think is kind of shoddy. So it's the goblins and the wargs versus elves, men, and dwarves. But that totally leaves mm-hmm. out the eagles who come in at the very end and help America. save the day. America. America. Isn't that right? This, it's, it's all just the world wars, right? America shows I am, up. I am just gonna say that Tolkien, Tolkien hated that interpretation. Well, because he hates story. allegory. What, America? He, we've he, no, he hates well. In, he hates probably. allegory. So he yes. so when people would come up to him and be like, "Oh, hey, eagles are just America, right?" He'd be like, "No, idiot. I actually allegories for dumbos." If Ben Franklin had his way, a bunch of turkeys would have showed up and killed everyone right am i right <laughs> i mean he insisted always that what however reality might have like influenced his work and stuff it was never meant as like intentional allegory like yeah that. i mean particularly after 
World War Two, more with the the Lord of the Rings and everything, people were talking yeah. about, oh, are these about like the Great Wars and stuff? And he's like, uh, no. Um, but to me, like when I was reading those different things, I mean, there are themes in here of good and evil, of greed, and you know whether to fight or not, and what is worth fighting for, and you could make it a case for environmentalism. Sort of things are in there, and to me, that's actually shows that something is a long-standing piece of literature and i think that's part of why it is still so beloved is because mm -hmm. if you can start to in insert those kind of different themes like overlay them on it and to some people that might seem like ridiculous oh well you can make the case for 15 different things yeah you can make the case that this means 15 different things and that's pretty good writing then if you can do that the fact that it's yeah. not just a story about a little dude that goes somewhere and comes back. The fact that you can find <laughs> these themes. If you, it could just be that story. He goes there, he comes back. It's great. It's fun, right? He fights spiders. Boys love it. But if you wanted to, you could write critical papers like I'm sure Andrew did about, you know, greed and what the dragon represents and wars and, you know, different things like that. Like, And that to me actually speaks highly of the work that you can do that sort of interpretation. He may not have wanted it because he knew he didn't intend it that way, but I think that's part of why it's still around and so loved. Hmm. Yeah. More time. I'm not, I'm oh, told, and by the way, then he goes that's home. An... He goes home. That's how it ends. <laughs> right. He goes, he back. goes back again. Yeah. I'm not going to say that that's like a, that's an invalid reading of this work to like see the Eagles as America. Like that's, <laughs> you can make a case for that. You can make a case for anything. That's my point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, you could make a case for, you know, it's the Eagles would be whoever showed up at the end of the conflict <laughs> of any to war, fix it. any time. And yeah. that always happens. Like it's one of the, what you were saying earlier about what it has to say about war. It just so happens that the war that preceded the Hobbit was the worst war, war in history of the mm -hmm. planet up until that point. And oh, wait, there was another one. Right. Like, yeah, it, that's just it's not his fault that that's what was happening around his books. But. Yeah. Then you could also make the argument, would he have been thinking about those things if, when he was writing this book, if those wars hadn't happened? And right, or if he, like, hadn't been involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And so, I mean, but again, I think it speaks to him in his writing, the fact that people can do that to what is ultimately just a children's book about a journey mm -hmm. and about growing up and those sorts of themes and, and learning to find your role in the world in the, and in a group and things like that and, and no what you're capable of. Um, you could keep it as simple as that sort of story. You know what I mean? That like you yeah. will figure out your place in the world and, and what you're here to do and how you can help everyone or you can read more into it. And that's pretty rare. Not too many books actually can do all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps with its, with its um, longevity and like it's, it helps that it's tied to all these like wider and deeper books mm -hmm. that take place within the same universe. And grab all these themes and just run with them but i think just as as a as a character study of bilbo and as a bunch of like neat adventures that happen it stands really well mm -hmm. on its own too definitely and i actually and that's, like that's what i like about i it. like the narrative voice of it so it is clearly a man as in like capital m of the race of men in this world that's telling this story and he has a sides he talks to the reader I love at one point the elves are singing and oh man, they're, the songs are not good. And, <laughs> and he makes, they're not good, which is why it's always like he wrote, Tolkien wrote so much poetry. I'm like, oh man, um, yeah. Yeah, not good. 
But uh, there's an aside after it where the narrator is basically making fun of the elf song. And it's like, yes, thank you. Okay, so we all know this song is ridiculous. Great. Okay, let's move on sort of a thing. So, I mean, he loses that a bit at the end, which is interesting because I read that he gave C.S. Lewis the draft to read and it ended with the killing of the dragon. And so... I don't know if that was his intended original ending, but then the the section at the end about the, the war does have a different tone. That narrative voice mm-hmm. isn't really there anymore, and it's more just talking about this epic battle and what's is happening. It more, is, yeah, it's a little more, maybe a little more similar to the tone he takes in some of his other, like, and here's what's happening yeah. in this world I made up. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about this other There's thing not the you same don't sort know of about. Commentary. Yeah. Which was at times very entertaining. It was a little snarky, condescending even sometimes. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very amusing. <laughs> so yeah. it was basically almost like the Princess Bride. Like, I'm here telling you a tale. So now yeah. listen to this tale. I'm telling you about this hobbit who went there. And, and that back. seems to fit yeah, the, I mean, the like, Beowulf vibe. Like, going mm-hmm. back all the way back to yeah. that. The kind of the, yeah. the role of the storyteller is present <laughs> in the tale. Very much. Like there's, this, there's this runner throughout the book, kind of, where Bilbo is... He's in a tight spot and he's wishing, not for the last time, that he was back in his hobbit hole like next to his fire, (laughs) far away from all these nasty adventures. And he thinks about the food and, wow, it'd be really nice to be home and have some food again. And yeah, all he wants is to go home for so much of it. It's kind of (laughs) sad. He just wants to be home. And then he goes home. And And the last thing that's actually said about the ring is saying that he just, what is it? The magic ring, he kept a great secret for he chiefly used it when unpleasant callers came. That's it. There's nothing scary about the ring. I didn't order nothing, dun, dun, dun. I'm putting the ring on. Yeah, basically, so no door. one knows I'm home, right? <laughs> Knocking on the door. My, who's that in my driveway? I'm putting the uh, ring on. Nobody's here. Jehovah's Witnesses. Where's my ring? <laughs> exactly. Ugh. I don't want your magazines. I'm putting my ring on. I don't want your turkey, your <laughs> cakes, all that stuff. Uh, get out of here, Columbia House. I already registered to vote. I'm putting my ring on. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, the ring is not a daunting thing. Like I know it does become in later tales. It's a tool that helps him mature and succeed on this quest. Um, and then it just gets to be kind of something that he takes home with him. And that's about it. It's it's not this big thing. And I could see why we he would have to adjust parts of The Hobbit to uh, make the ring seem more ominous. Because mm-hmm. in this, it's just like, oh, cool, an invisible ring. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Super helpful. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's a step above his sword, but not too much. You know what I mean? It's like right. it's just a tool yeah, yeah, yeah. he uses. Yeah, but so no, it sounds like I you like still it. enjoyed the the book, even though it's it's probably you know it's a bit young for for you. Probably. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was <laughs> a little a little bit for me, not too much. Um, I I just really liked how it was written, and even though there were some, there's a lyricism to it, and there's even some sentences that. They're either a little repetitive. I don't know if I have any of them easily marked off. Um, where uh, just how he says things, it's just clearly written for a child, but it's still just beautiful. Whether, you know, people do that sometimes with repetitions or alliteration and things like that. Um, so the style of it was just in really enjoyable and really nice to read. It is very well written. Um, and I did enjoy the snarky narrator a lot. I enjoyed him. <laughs> I I liked that commentary because then it could be like, yeah, I thought that elf song was stupid too. Great. We're on the same page. Let's keep going. Like I just, I really like, and if, I guess if you loved that song, you could be like, shut up narrator and keep going. But so it kind of gave you someone there to lead you along. And I, I just really liked that. And it, 
was very, it was more faster paced than I expected. Mm. There yeah, wasn't it moves even, quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't even as much world building as in other books or even other books in the genre, just in general, not just his. Um, and I didn't mind that. I liked that it was like, let's just keep this going. Let's keep moving from one obstacle to the next. Yeah, good read. Cool. Even well, for adults. If, uh, if you are an adult who has a favorite elf song or you're a fan of Tom Bombadil. Or oh, you, no. if you're a fan of Tom Bombadil, come at me. Or you are a Tom Bombadil. <laughs> if you're you Tom Bombadil. Email us at overduepod at gmail.com and tell us how cool Tom Bombadil is and we'll still disagree with you. Uh, or you can uh, put pictures of Tom Bombadil on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash overduepod. Or you can tweet your favorite Tom Bombadil vines to us at Twitter dot com slash overdue pod tom bombadil is a social media maven i also want to thank social media mavens who've been reaching out to us in the past week past couple days since we joined the awesome headgum network that includes olivia connor sophie shannon alicia margaret jd veronica jacqueline rebecca christine aj Catherine, monica amanda joe pal rachel amir uh, that's amir from headgum amanda sean patrick uh no that's sean patrick that's one person uh, I'm getting a little carried away. Uh, Tom Bombadil, uh, Thorin Oakenshield, Rhea, Albi, Amy, Biffer, Boffer, Bomber, Kirsten, Michael, Oswaldo, and the folks at the Philly Pod Fest who, by the time this hits the internet, uh, will have already happened for us. So thanks to whoever showed up, and thanks to all the people who, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Jill, for showing up, uh, and thanks to the Philly Pod Fest people, Nathan, and the rest of his team who helped make that happen. Tattooed Moms, who I'm sure was a great venue. I've enjoyed their drinks before. Andrew, what else is there to talk about? If you want to find out more about our show, you can go to OverduePodcast.com, where we have links to iTunes, RSS, Stitcher, all the places you can subscribe to the show. If you subscribe in iTunes, leave us a rating or a review, because that makes us feel good, and it helps us in the rankings. Um, If you want to find more out about the other shows on the HeadGum Network, you can go to HeadGum.com. They have a lot of other great podcasts like Gilmore Guys. They just added one where people watch Friends and talk about it. So if that's nice. your thing, like that, they have that. <laughs> I'm all over it. Um, there is also a link to our Patreon, which is a place where you can financially support the show. That's patreon.com slash overdue pod. You can find out more there. Um, like Craig said, we just did our live show. And next week, I think we would like to post that recording, ideally, if we have the audio. So that's uh, Harper Lee's Go set a watchman. I hope that it goes well in the future because that's when we're recording this. I'm sure it went well <laughs> if you're listening to it. Um, anything else, guys? Uh, what was I gonna? Oh yeah, if you're uh, if you're gonna be in New York in early November, you should probably check out Book Riot Live. Uh, it's gonna be a couple days of cool book stuff, panels, podcasts, quiz games, etc. If you go to BookRiotLive.com, you can find more info and use the code Overdue for registration and get like twenty bucks off. Uh, so that seems pretty cool. Yeah, do it. All do right, everybody. It. We will see you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jillian. Yeah, for thank the guests of the show. <laughs> thanks. Just thanks, sitting dude. here. It's cool. <laughs> All right, um, everybody. Thank you for listening. And until next week, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.